Welcome back to Inside Personal Growth. This is Greg Voison, the host of Inside Personal Growth. And I want to thank all of my listeners who joined from around the world to listen to the words of wisdom from our authors. And today joining me on the line from Atlanta is Molly Fletcher. And Molly is the author of a new book called A Winner's Guide to Negotiating How Conversation Gets Deals Done. Good day to you, Molly. How are you? I'm doing great, Greg. Thanks so much for having me on. Well, thanks for joining us from Atlanta today and speaking with my listeners about negotiating because it really is something that is at the heart and key of so much we do in our lives. And so I want to let my listeners know just a tad bit about you. Molly Fletcher has learned a lot over the past two decades while negotiating $500 million worth of deals on behalf of hundreds of the nation's premier athletes, coaches, and television commentators. She reveals the strategies, tips, and insights that have made her hugely successful, uh, first as a sports agent and now as a corporate consultant keynote speaker. We're going to be talking with her this morning about the winner's guide uh, to negotiating. And she's also been dubbed by CNN as female's Jerry Maguire. Um, She's going to speak with us this morning about how pauses and breaks in negotiation are going to make you a better negotiator, establishing common ground. And she also writes that effective negotiation is a conversation, a relationship built with a rhythm over time. Well, Molly, thanks for joining us. And I have a a, a great question to start this off with because in life, this is the way things go. Negotiating is at the heart of so much in our lives, everything from purchasing a car to getting our children to doing their chores. What is one of the bit of common advice you would give a high-powered executive negotiating a deal to a mom trying to get her child to behave. Well, and that's the reason I wrote the book, right, is that I think negotiation at the core is, is really a conversation, right? I mean, sometimes it's a difficult conversation, but it's a conversation. And so in the book, I tell stories about, you know, negotiating um, with the orthodontist for my uh, daughter's braces. And then it'll, you know, in the next chapter, it'll be a story about a $50 million contract with one of our baseball players. So, it uh, certainly scans the, um, the, the the sort of the landscape of the different times and kinds of situations that we find ourselves negotiating, which to me can happen more often than maybe we allow it to happen. So the book, The Winner's Guide, really creates a process for how to find common ground and, and connect with the people that we want to negotiate with, how to ask for what we want with confidence. Mm-hmm. And then obviously, you know, how to, how to embrace the pause after we make an ask is incredibly important. And then we've got to get clear and know when we need to leave, right? Sometimes we, we need to walk away from deals, and um, that's something that we need to be comfortable with as well. So let's talk about that pausing part because that's that's a part that so many people get so anxious about. You know, it's like, oh, great, I want to close the deal. I'm not going to walk away. You know, I'm here at the car dealer or wherever it is. And you mentioned that using pauses or breaks in negotiatings are a huge advantage. Can you explain how that might work um, to our listeners to use that to their advantage in some type of negotiation that they might be working on? Sure. You know, I tell a story in the book about negotiating Jeff Francoeur's contract. And Jeff was a right fielder for the Atlanta Braves for years and had had great success um, inside of the circumstances that we were negotiating. And I tell a story about being right up until about the night before we were leaving for arbitration. He was arbitration eligible as a player. And the general manager calling me at, you know, 11 o'clock at night. and, And I really had to sit inside of a pause for almost two minutes on a call with him 
where after I had made it clear what we felt was fair, what we were willing to do, and what we were comfortable with and what my player was comfortable with, I had to just hold that space. And I remember lying there in bed. I was asleep when he called. And my husband sort of saying, oh, my gosh, is he, is he there? Is he on the phone? Because it had been silent for, you know, two minutes. And uh, I said, oh, yeah, he's here. I muted it and said, oh, yeah, he's here. And then he came back on and agreed to the terms of the deal. So we've got to have the courage to ask for what we want, and then we've got to be able to pause after we do that and let the other side react to that. Yeah. Well, one of those things kind of in your natural process, because going through your book, you talk about setting the stage and finding this common ground to be a really important element in negotiating in the negotiation process. And then it leads to just like what you said, asking it with confidence. What advice would you give to the listeners about honing these confidence skills? Because, you know, actually setting the stage, finding a common ground, and then building that confidence to actually make that ask. What are some of the common things or the advice you'd give to our listeners? Well, I think certainly um, inside of a conversation, inside a negotiation, you have to be prepared, right? I mean, the more prepared you are, I think the more confident you are in how to handle a situation. So gathering the necessary data to make sure that you're armed kind of with the information that that is sort of in the head and the heart of the person that you're negotiating with. Um, you know, so when we would negotiate a deal with a major league baseball club, I would want to understand, you know, where they were at with their salary um, situation as a team. You know, who do they like in the minor league system? Um, you know, who are some of the free agents on the market they might be interested in? Where were they at with injuries? Were they worried about anything there? So the more prepared we are, I think the better off we are inside of a conversation and the more confidence we can build. And then certainly I encourage people to practice. Because the more we do it, like anything in life, the better we get at it. And so having the courage and the confidence to ask for what we want so that inside of bigger moments when we're sitting in front of our boss renegotiating our package or our salary, we're, we have the courage to ask inside of that situation because we've practiced. It's sort of like my athletes. You know, these guys will stand over a putt on a Tuesday and pretend like they're putting for a million bucks and a tour win. Mm-hmm. But they do that so that when they're standing there on Sunday in that same moment, they've been there before. So that's obviously part of the process. So you have a list in the book. You have lots of lists in your book that you end with. This kind of a summation of the things that are learned. And I love that because it's a quick way for people to learn. And I love the layout of the book that way. And and in the chapter, you you were talking about confidence that starts with countering fear with positive self-talk and remembering what you call the P's. You have a little formula. Can you speak with us about these two points? Because positive self-talk is at the fundamental of anything in personal growth versus negative self-talk and remembering these P's. Well, I mean, positive self-talk is, is key, right? I mean, we, we all hear it so much that the one thing we can control in our lives is the messages that we send ourselves and having the courage and the discipline to make sure that we send ourselves the right messages. You know, I always tell people I speak about 60 days a year now, and I'll tell audiences, gosh, you know, when we're standing, you know, it's like my athletes, when they'd stand on the mound to throw a pitch to win a World Series game, they don't say to themselves in that moment, man, I hope I, will, I don't walk this guy, right? Mm-hmm. Or a golfer doesn't stand on the tee and think, man, I hope I don't spray it into the water. They tell themselves that, They've got this, and they visualize throwing a strike or visualize making a basket. They visualize success. 
And so it's no different than with a corporate executive. When you're, when you're getting ready to walk into a room to negotiate a, con- a contract, we've got to believe when we do that that we're going to have success inside of that conversation. So we've got to get ourselves in the right frame of mind. And it's not complicated. It just requires discipline. It requires discipline to when you start to get to that place where it's negative or un- unfulfilling self-talk or unproductive self-talk. That's the moment when we need to have the discipline and the intentionality to shift so that we send ourselves more positive messages with positive outcomes. That's great advice for the listeners. And, and one of the things that you have that you, you use so much is which something you refer to as favor columns. And you discuss these favor columns and you say they're built from the heart and from a professional and respective point of view. Can you explain what a favor column is to our listeners and how we would build those favor columns or build in those favor columns? Absolutely. So a favor column is, in, in, in my opinion, in the way, in many ways, the way that I recruited, you know, almost 300 athletes over 15 years was, was at the core was giving and giving and giving to the people that we want to work with and for in an authentic way. So giving authentically, um, it means, you know, doing things, identifying gaps in the lives of the people that we want to support and that the people that we want to serve, identifying what those gaps are, and then beginning to um, deliver value inside of those gaps. So with baseball players, I might bring them an endorsement deal, um, a water deal. I might offer an opportunity for them to um, do an event for a charity if that's something at that point in their life where that might they might find that interesting. Um, to me, all those things are sort of building favor, but it needs to be done in an authentic way. It needs to be done in a way that um, is real. So I tell a story in the book about one of our baseball players that played for Detroit, for the Tigers. And a story about negotiating um, to get a free water deal for him, for water to be supplied to him in the clubhouse. And then um, doing a deal with multiple sclerosis um, and, and to benefit his father. And we were doing so many things for him and truly in a way that added value to his life that all of a sudden he went, gosh, you know what? My agent isn't doing all this for me and you don't even represent me and you're doing all this. And so... You know, he, he made a switch and allowed us to negotiate his contract, and then we continue to do all these other things for him as well. It's, it's great because what you're doing is you're coming from a space of authenticity in your negotiations, which also makes it extremely real, and it also uh, helps to build bonds. It helps to build a character with the people that you're negotiating with. Now, you speak again about this p- practicing the pauses and techniques like dialing back urgency, not filling in the space, and and creating urgency and being patient, you've got a list. Tell our listeners more about the effectiveness of some of the techniques like this and maybe a story that you can tell us that would um, have incorporated some of these techniques that you've used. Well, I mean, I believe that when we negotiate, to your point, you want to come at it from a place of authenticity. You want to come at it from a place that's real, where your heart is pure in regards to the value proposition that you want to make to, to, the, um, to the athlete or the individual or the client that you're trying to get. And so what that means is that we have a mindset of being relational in nature, not transactional in nature. I talk to a lot of sales teams, and to me, if we're just doing transactions with people, we miss the opportunity to connect with them in an authentic way. And what we all want in life, right, is to be connected to other people 
And in order to do that, we've got to sort of be a little bit vulnerable, have the courage sometimes at the core to be vulnerable. And when we do that, we, in fact, connect. So it takes practice. It takes courage. It takes all those things to do it. But it's certainly possible. And, again, I just ensure and encourage listeners to have the courage and the confidence to practice mm-hmm. inside of uh, each and every moment. Well, when they read your book, they obviously have an opportunity in so many spots to practice some of these um, age-long techniques that you've been using that have made you one of the masters in the industry. And you, one of the things you state, you state that knowing when to leave can become clearer when you understand when to give up uh, what you're giving up by staying. I thought that it was really a quite insightful comment because so many people will negotiate themselves into the negative column, I would call it. Um, what, when, do you, when do you really learn to walk away? What advice would you give our listeners to say, hey, this isn't something that's uh, a win-win-win situation here. I need to walk away. Well, right. I mean, and, and, and I think having the courage and, and having the clarity to walk away is important. So what I encourage people to do is to get as clear as you can in advance of a negotiation as it relates to what you want. So what would be success and what would be what would you be excited about if you got the deal done? And what would you be excited about if you walked away? Because the last thing we want to do is walk away with a bad deal. So the more clear we are when we walk into a negotiation, the better off we are. So when we were negotiating a player's contract, I might say to myself, okay, a package that's at $20 million is a fair deal. It's a deal that I know I have had a pre-conversation with a player. I know the player's excited about those deal points and that deal. And so when I'm in the moment, when I'm inside of the negotiation and in what is oftentimes a difficult conversation, and oftentimes people will tap into your emotion, you want to be clear enough about what success looks like that if you're at $19 million, but you know that you sat there before the deal started, before the conversation started, and you got clear that $19 million wasn't a good number, then you are clear on that before the conversation starts, so walking away becomes easier. Mm-hmm. So it's getting clear on what your unacceptables are so you have the courage to walk away. I do this, you know, even with my children, right? So what are unacceptables in your own life? What are things that you know in this moment while you're sitting in the living room with mom and dad you know is not a good choice? So some of us would say that's drawing a line in the sand, right? So you're saying, hey, this is where I draw the line in the sand. This is how far I'll go. This is how far I won't go, right? But to know that ahead of time. That's a great way to say it. Yeah. But to know that ahead of time is what you're saying, right? Right, because the more clear... Absolutely. We've got to get clear on that. We've got to time, take the time to get clear so that when we're in the conversation, you know, the other thing as it relates to knowing when to leave is, is knowing when do you as an individual become emotional, right? What are your trigger points? What bothers you? What gets under your skin? What gets you going? Know what those are so that when you're in a discussion, when you're in a conversation, you can recognize that that's happening and you can sort of try to reboot yourself. Because the last thing we want to do in a negotiation is become emotional. When we're emotional, we lose um, our positioning. We send messages through that emotion that typically aren't productive to the other party that we're negotiating with. So removing emotion on our own behalf is incredibly important. But uh, simultaneously, I'd say when we, have, when we can tap into the emotion of the other party, that's oftentimes incredibly effective as well. Well, one of the keys to all of this, obviously, is building up trust. And you have a great little formula in the book. And I remember not long ago um, doing an interview um, with um, 
oh, Stephen Covey Jr. about his book on trust. And your formula here, trust equals credibility plus reliability plus connection over self minus interest. Um, talk with us about that because for anybody out there, building trust first is got to be the key element in a negotiation. Absolutely, and I love that formula because I think when you really dig in and look at that and you think about how do I build trust in anybody that I'm doing business with or in any relationship that I'm having, and that at the core is the first step in negotiating. I mean, I think people need to trust that, um, you know, you're coming from a place that's, that's um, you know, solid and strong. But, but I think oftentimes we live in a world now where, um, people have a lot of choices. They have a lot of choices of who they work with and who they want to work with and who they need to work with. And people don't want to deal with people they don't like, and certainly they don't want to deal with people they don't trust. And so when you have credibility, when you're reliable, when you do what you say you're going to do, when you're credible, meaning you're coming from a place that certainly is, is credible as it relates to your knowledge, your relationships, your status inside of that organization, all that is relevant to the other party and then you marry that with what what is your self-interest is your interest in winning or is your interest in trying to have a productive discussion that allows both parties to walk away better you know i believe that you negotiate with people multiple times not just once and i think that the thing i always challenge people to do is to to recognize that we don't have to do a deal in one conversation or even two Give yourself the space and time to allow for that conversation potentially to happen over, you know, a longer period of time and not be in a rush, right? I always hate it when I go to the car dealership, you know, when they tell me that's the last car on the lot, right? One of those mm-hmm. kind of games. Mm-hmm. That's no fun, right? And it's not true. Mm-hmm. So they lose me when they say that. They lose me. Or we got to do the deal tonight because this is when the deal ends. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. So can can you negotiate with people like that you that you don't trust? Well, I mean, I think you know, I hope that everybody gets to a point eventually in their lives where they don't have to, mm-hmm. you know? And and that's one of the things I love about social media and and the world that we live in in some regards is that I think the world is going to become and continue to become more and more transparent. And what I hope that means is that the good and the honest and the trustworthy will rise to the top. And, and the others won't. And so do you have to do it? If you have to, what I would encourage people to do is to, um, you know, you got to cover your you-know-what, right? you got to capture everything that they say. And I encourage people when you're negotiating with people like that is to use their own words as much as possible. So capture the data and then use their words back to them to try to continue to hold them accountable throughout the conversation. Well, I'll end this with this. You obviously are a female in a male-dominated world, and you're very much speak to women about uh, their power, their ability to do these things. And you state that women should follow some of these steps in negotiation. What is it that you you believe in this world that's kind of the world you've been in, which has kind of been definitely male-dominated, that women like yourself can do and other women out there that maybe don't feel empowered um, to do the kind of things you've done? What advice would you give them? Well, you know, number one, I mean, that was a lot of the reason why I wrote this book. I mean, I think, you know, 89% of people in the world say they want to understand how to negotiate better. So I hope this book gives people the tools and the tactics to do just that and do it better and have the confidence to do it more often. 
And, and almost 60% say that what they know about negotiation, they learn just through the life that they live. So they haven't ever really been taught how to do it. You know, my advice to women is to practice and is to, at the core, have the courage to make the ask. That's where we as women often break down. We find common ground well. We prepare incredibly well. We have nice relational and social and self-awareness inside of a negotiation. But what we often do, because we like things kind of neat and tidy, right? We like to have things kind of in a little bit of a box, and we like to know where our conversation's going to go. And negotiation is not like that, right? It's never going to be clean and clear. It's going to um, take kind of on a life of its own, potentially. So the more that we're prepared, the better. So I would encourage women to prepare, which we do tremendously well. But open your eyes to recognize that there is a lot of opportunity to negotiate in our lives and have the courage inside of smaller situations to begin to make the ask. And once you do that, you'll get more confidence, and I hope women will continue to do and, and to ask for what they want more. Well, Molly, I want to thank you for being on Inside Personal Growth. And <clears throat> for my listeners, the book is A Winner's Guide to Negotiating How Conversations Get Deals Done. Um, you can get this through Amazon, I'm sure Barnes & Noble, and any of your be- best booksellers, as well as downloaded in Kindle version. And if you want to learn more about Molly uh, and some of the things that she's got going on, go to www.mollyfletcherfletcher.com. That's all run together. We'll also have a link at our website. We'll also be linking you to some of her other social media sites as well through the blog. Molly, again, thanks for being on Inside Personal Growth and spending a few minutes of your time and wisdom actually teaching my listeners how to be better negotiators. It was a pleasure. Thanks for having me.